0: Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole.
1: I've wanted to do a television series for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give a cultural face to older women because we're left out. Yep. We just, you know, the mass media doesn't really deal with you after a certain age. And, um, and I wanted to change that. And then the, Marta Kaufman and Howard Morris, uh, she, she co-created Friends right. and she pitched this idea. There was nothing written, but this idea of these two older women who get dumped by their husbands who have fallen in love and, get, and want to get married. We want to talk to you about something. Saul and I are in love. Excuse me? You're gay. We want to get married. Oh, married? Because we can do that
2: now. I know. I hosted that fundraiser.
1: I'm heartbroken. You're going to make better memories. And you can reuse the frames. They're gonna be fine, we're gonna be fine. I'm so scared. Mom, we're gonna find you people to talk to. People who understand exactly
0: what you're going through. There's a group for wives of husbands who've turned gay in their 70s. And I,
2: I am young. My joints are supple.
1: Yes, Robert is my law partner, but we are also homosexual law and bed partners with each other in life. Boy, this partner thing is really confusing, isn't it?
2: Mikey, you're a complete disaster. You do realize I have a knife in my hand. I don't want to face my remaining years alone. I'm just like you, but with a better personality. Certainly bigger. Break down your emotions for me. Now you can't eat until Monday. You have to operate?
1: I've never had surgery.
2: Not ever? Like, say, upper-roundy? No. You
1: know, I mean, it's just, it's the lesson for me is that you just never know what's in store in life. And if somebody had told me then that at 77, I would be back in a thing called Netflix? It's not even television, it's like, You can look at the whole season all at once in six hours or something like that. I would have said, you're crazy.
0: Good afternoon, everyone. It is Hollister and O'Toole here to talk about Grace and Frankie. There was much ado about the fact that, number one, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin hadn't been together since 9 to 5. How many years ago was that? Great movie.
2: Working 9 to 5.
0: And their husbands, Martin Sheen and Sam Waterston, they've left them to be with each other. Their wives are mismatched as a couple, no question, in that one is a hippie, Lily Tomlin's very hippie, 70s kind of girl, and uh, Jane Fonda is very uh, highbrow, if you will, you know, Prada wearing woman, very thin, doesn't eat much, uh, some great comics, things around that. It's It was built as a comedy. It was built as a comedy. And it launched to mixed reviews. Uh, and uh, before I get into what I think, O'Toole, what say you about Grace and Frankie?
3: Okay, well, I have to say, first off, kudos to Netflix for its original programming, um, because I think they are coming up with some very interesting, you know, a range <laughs> Absolutely of shows. true, yep. It's funny, because I remember reading, um, one person on the internet had commented that between the four leads, they must have at least 200 years of acting between them. And when you <laughs> count the number of Oscars, Tonys, Grammys, Emmys, Golden Globes that these four incredible actors have garnered, it's truly impressive. Um, so I was very excited when I heard that the series was coming out because I thought that could be such comic fodder. I loved the premise. I loved the cast, Um I saw the first episode, and I thought this series is really trying to find its footing. I thought the tone wasn't quite yet established. So, of course, I was comparing it to a series like Last Tango in Halifax, where I thought Last Tango in Halifax in its first episode. Oh,
0: yeah. It hits its stride running out of the gate. No question. It grabbed me
3: much faster. And, And I would have stopped after two episodes, but you told me it got better, and I totally agree. Oh, I'm so glad. By the end of the first season, I really enjoyed watching Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin on screen together so like you said that is the name of the show Grace and Frankie I thought they were the more um, appealing couple I didn't think the two guys were very (laughs) believable as a couple I thought Martin Sheen was still vibing President Bartlett from the West Wing you know
0: and since I watch at least one episode of the West Wing daily I will tell you that it's very hard for me to look at him and not see him in the Oval Office that's true
3: And yet, I had seen all of them in so many things, and yet he's the one that I thought was still vibing a prior character. So for example, Sam Waterston has played Jack McCoy on the Law & Order series for years. And I loved him on a show that came out in the early 90s called I'll Fly Away don't know if you ever saw that it was like a tv no, version no i didn't I, you would love it it was like a tv version of to kill a mockingbird so again oh my God. In, in all of those sam waterston plays a lawyer still i thought his character felt different to me on this this one i felt like it was president bartlett who occasionally talked about how delicious the lobster appetizers were or sometimes was seen <laughs> drinking tea
0: he was a metro guy on the west wing you know he w- he was certainly a metro guy on the west wing he was
3: You know, we should mention that all of these four actors are connected through your man.
0: Oh my God, they're under the Sorkin umbrella. Yeah, Jane Fonda and Sam Waterston were in the newsroom.
2: Lee,
1: don't accept their resignations. I already wasn't accepting their resignations, Becca. Don't horn in on my honorable thing. God, I mean, can't a lady have a- Leona, we don't have the trust of the public anymore. Get it back!
0: And Lily Tomlin and Martin Sheen uh, were together on the West Wing.
2: Gus are running a little behind schedule. Can we push this to four? Uh, Do you want a belly dance for the Joint Chiefs, or shall I? Go on in.
1: 3.2 billion men in the world. She picks him.
2: I hear he had a great pitching arm.
1: When he was 19, sure.
2: She dumped a Rhodes Scholar for this guy. Zoe left Charlie for the Frog. Ellie and the guitar player with the Purple Band. My children choose morons, every one. They say daughters look for their fathers.
0: <laughs> if we first start with the the series overall as a series, I did, I, you know, I, I wanted so much to like it. And I talked to so many friends who felt the same way. Oh, my God, this is going to be great. It's, you know, our generation. It's going to be so fabulous. Can't wait. Can't wait. Great actors. And it was almost like you were attending your best friend's 60th birthday party and, it was so bad, but you couldn't leave till the end because it was your best friend and you have to be committed to staying there and sticking it out. And I did feel a little bit like the series, we kept wanting it to be great and you kept giving it that opening. But the truth was, I don't know that it really could figure out whether it was a drama or a comedy. And there were comedic moments.
3: As I continued to watch Grace and Frankie and the characters played by Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda did begin to grow on me, there was a scene that reminded me of a Meredith-Christina Yang moment for sure. And I almost called you up and I thought, okay, can you name what that scene was?
0: When they dance it out?
3: (laughs) Yes, there was a scene where I thought it was a funny premise where they had an evening where you had to say yes to everything. And they end up in these ridiculous outfits in a bar. So
0: there were great moments written by some, you know, pretty amazing writers, let's face it. Marta Kaufman, who brought us friends. Not only that, it's Home Improvement Howard Prims. But they somehow didn't intertwine into a rhythm that a Sorkin show has. It was like choppy bits of and pieces of things and it didn't quite come together and I I feel like it wasn't the cast. I feel like overall it was it was the script. I do. The I feel like it was is the script.
3: Very strong. and it, Perhaps because I of the know. length where episodes are 28 30 minutes long. It feels more like a sitcom length without the laugh track.
0: Interesting.
3: At first in the first episode and I really think the first two episodes are the weakest of the 13. Yeah. Yeah, I thought good. maybe it would have been better served as a play and of course I'm a little swayed because when Jane Fonda starred in the Broadway show 33 Variations a couple years ago I had the great privilege of seeing her perform live on stage and she was mesmerizing and Lily Tomlin of course has such a history of comedic performances she started on Laughing she's performed monologues she studied mime
2: this was written about my mother and father. I've changed the names to protect them.
3: <laughs> I feel like you can see all of those in her craft um, and I thought her character was probably the richest character when the series first starts out.
0: Maybe the problem is Jane Fonda, who really is not a natural comedian.
3: I don't know. She really grew on me. I thought she was very yeah, funny by the know. end of the series. I, I mean, I,
0: I'm not saying she wasn't. It was funny. I was speaking with a client this morning who writes uh, a gay column for Huffington Post, and he said to me, oh, well, you know, I had, last night I was too busy. I, I couldn't get it done. I was watching Grace and Frankie, and I said, what? And he said, oh, yeah, I, you know, we're all watching Grace and Frankie, and I said, who's we all? And he said, we're all, everybody I know is watching it. And I said, well, do tell. And I think it's worth taking a moment to sort of talk about his point of view. He was really upset that they waited so long to come out of the closet. And then when they came out of the closet, they continued to lie and live lives that were not necessarily on the up and up. And um, but and I said, well, did you find them believable as a couple? And he said, yeah, they grew as a couple. They started to get more comfortable as a couple. And I think that's a good thing because, of course, when they first were together publicly, it would be a bit awkward. I felt Sam Waterston was much stronger playing um, playing his part than, than Martin Sheen was. But he said that the premise of it for for him was really important and he's loving watching it and he loves 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 Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin you know
3: I have commitment issues but watching it (laughs) I thought perhaps one of the messages unintended of the show is that when you actually move in together as a couple there goes the romance because here they are they're carrying on this illicit affair for 20 years and then when they move in together to me I feel like all they do is bicker they bicker and they snipe and they argue familiarity can breed domestic contempt where they have to start <laughs> fighting over what they watch on TV and what they're going to have for dinner and who gets to invite who I think, over. I th-
0: but see, but in the end of each of those, I mean, those are not real fights to me because at the end of each of those, they have an awakening of where the other person's coming from and they come back together in a in a compelling way. And I think they're learning how to live together, which, by the way, people have to do um, when they get married or when they start living together. There's a lot of things that come up and you have to learn the rhythm Rhythm of the other person, and learn the rhythm of living together. And so, for these guys, I think that's certainly not. Um, uh, to me, the Lily Tomlin and Jane uh, Fonda connection doesn't make any sense. Oh, you know, I
3: love. I find that very watchable. That they're the compelling you know, I just, odd couple. Watching them the, share think, living space.
0: You know, I gotta tell you, I think I gotta disagree and say that I think the more interesting story is Martin Sheen and Sam Waterston. To me, it could have been, but
3: I feel like it falls flat in terms of the writing, and there's no there's no real tension there. Whereas Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, their dialogue together is so much more watchable where Jane Fonda looks at her and says, you know, what are you doing tonight? And Lily Tomlin said, I don't know. I I think I might stay home and crochet myself a noose. I feel like their dialogue is much more watchable.
0: Interesting you're saying that because, you know, I've talked a lot about how one gender cannot necessarily write in another gender's voice comfortably and that, you know, I, I, I think you know, and I think maybe there's some discomfort in terms of the actual writing of what it would be like to be Sam and Martin in the in these situations, you know.
3: When I watched the very first episode, I thought Lily Tomlin and Sam Waterston were the much more believable couple. When they've broken the news to everyone, and Lily Tomlin says, you better sleep in the guest room. When she arrives later in the night and says, I've forgotten what it's like to not sleep with you, and she crawls into bed with him, I thought that was very touching. There was so much alienation between Jane Fonda and Martin So many Sheena.
0: people um, that I know, couples in their 60s, 70s, just lived the way Jane Fonda uh, and he did they had a you know they were high in society it was all about who they knew i don't know i i, I felt right at home <laughs> <laughs> you can be comfortably married and not be right you know not and and belong with perhaps someone else i want to get to my q a thing already frankie or grace
3: <sighs> okay wait i have to remember who's who grace is jane fonda and frankie is lily tomlin
0: that's correct frankie or grace Wow. Okay.
3: You realize you leave me without guidance when you're always asking me these either ors. Well, because you don't... I'm
0: not giving you parameters. This isn't Harvard. You have to think outside the box and just pick whichever one is more compelling to you.
3: In my random, non-defined box, I'm going to go with Lily Tomlin's character, Frankie.
0: Really? Okay. You're going to go with Frankie.
3: However, Grace gets most improved and their combination (laughs) together. If you were to ask me which pairing in this whole show is the most entertaining. It would have to be Grace and Frankie together. Saul or Robert? Saul.
0: Really? Okay, me too, I guess. I don't know. Really?
3: I find Robert the blandest character on the show. I know.
0: Okay, but here's what's funny. Do you think it's because he's not given... I mean, first of all, Sam Waterston is brilliant in this role and he was brilliant under the great Sorkin in the newsroom. I mean and there's something about his expressions. Why was he not a leading man? Tell me why Sam Waterston was not a leading man. He's great. I wanna I wanna marry him.
3: It's interesting because in I'll Fly Away, that character, Forrest Bedford, it always makes the top ten lists of best fathers portrayed on the big screen. Oh my gosh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that he gets to play this role because for a while now I've been a little concerned about him because before every time he plays an attorney or an attorney general, it seems like he gets so worked up about justice. I always was a little concerned for his health.
0: Well, that he had a heart attack and dies in the newsroom, so you should be concerned. <laughs> See? <laughs> I just want – I can't take my eyes off him when he's on the screen. Did you feel that way? Really?
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, I – I liked his characterization, but I still think that Grace and Frankie are the most watchable Yeah, but I mean, of the two, the I
0: just feel I don't know. I, I, I found him to be heart wrenchingly interesting, compelling. You could see his empathy for everyone, he was the people pleaser. You know, you could see the feminine side of him that would have been attractive. You know, I mean, he just is Not to both. Not to
3: me. See, to me, I felt like he was a weak character.
0: Oh, my God. See, that's why you picked Alex Karev. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, see? And no, it's all it again.
3: coming back to me now, my dear. i would do it again. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, for example, it is when you, you think picked about Alex premise. over
0: George, and now you're picking, you're picking a, well, you did, you pick Saul. So you pick Saul. I still
3: picked Saul over Robert. That's how bland I find Martin uh. She character.
0: <laughs> I I don't know. I I did. I find him, I. you know, I found him somebody I wished I had known. I yeah, I like him a lot.
3: I have to say Lily Tomlin has never looked Better, And I hate to sound like Miss Superficial here, but Lily Tomlin's jewelry and the clothes on this show, they're an event in and of themselves, the amulets and necklaces that Lily Tomlin gets to wear.
0: Oh, my God. I, th- I think they're horrendous. I think they're absolutely oh, horrendous. Them. Okay, I the best them. thing about and Lily Tomlin in this show is her d- deep knee bend. When she says her joints. Oh, she said my joints are still supple. Yeah, her joints are still supple. I mean, there's many comedic moments that stand out. They just don't go all together, you know. But But you can tell,
3: again, that Lily Tomlin has training as a mime. And her her comedic timing is very good. When she looks at that guy at the assisted living facility where she thinks she's applying for a job as an art instructor. And he thinks (laughs) she's there to want a room. Exactly. um, When she looks at that young guy and says, do I look like I'm ready for a bed with a motor? I mean. You know, very good timing. But I also have to say, this is something that really struck me. Do you realize that Jane Fonda is now older than both her father, Henry Fonda, and Catherine Hepburn were when they filmed on Golden Pond?
0: Well, you know, but shh, don't tell anyone. She's had a lot of work done, (laughs)
3: But have how? they invented a footlift for feet? Because her feet are beautiful. Have you noticed that in this series? Well, There's first of all, how do you know they're really her the
0: feet? Kid- and secondly, look at her neck. They're her attached neck go- to
3: the body. <laughs> when she puts her feet up on the kitchen table, she has beautiful Well, I
0: feet. have to say, and- my, I love my feet too. But look at her neck. Her neck tells the story. And you can't compare her to Catherine Hepburn and her father because they never had work done. And let's face it, no, she's no, no. been... Re- I'm not
3: comparing them in terms of looks, but when on goal... Golden Pond came out, I thought they both seemed like septuagenarians, whereas I'm almost startled to think that Jane Fonda is 77. Because she's so, had so much work done. No, but she also, okay, not only was her workout video the best-selling home video of all time, but I didn't realize she had come out with another one only a few years ago. I think she's very inspiring in terms of how much Oh, you know she... what?
0: I when I was driving to the Benton Film Festival, I listened to her book on tape which she read, and she is very compelling and very interesting and in as she calls it the third, you know, the third trimester of her life, the year she's in now, two
3: things. One is I am very grateful that Jane Fonda did not come across my personal radar until after the Vietnam War. So I know she still is politically so Well, the pr- but, I,
0: but I, I did know her then. I mean, I, she was on my radar back then and um, and I will tell you that I never I never felt I felt Jane Fonda, she had the passion of her convictions. and I think sometimes she was misguided in that I don't think she did enough homework. Before she made her, her decisions on what things meant, and she says that in her book, she was ill-informed in some areas, but regardless of her politics, she does look fabulous, that's true, but what do you think about the political weight of the premise?
3: Is there a political weight to the
0: premise? Oh my God, are you kidding? You know, well, one of the biggest is- political footballs right now is gay marriage.
3: And yet, now that Ireland was the first country this week um, by popular vote to approve gay marriage, the line in the trailer I thought was much funnier than when you watched it play out in the first episode. Well, there's and no. By there... the
0: way, the first fifteen minutes of this is certainly anything but comedic.
3: <laughs> yeah, but it's it not could have been like when you looked at the timing of how it was cut in the trailer. What I uh-huh. found was a very funny line in the trailer was when and Lily Tomlin says, "I know I hosted the fundraiser." Again, that first episode, the it timing It wasn't funny. Did was you? Off. Did you it laugh? I did not
0: laugh for the first I, fifteen or twenty it, minutes of that show.
3: The first episode, it was disappointing. Yep, it was. Very uneven. Yes, it's
0: like a drama with some comedic moments almost, but then toward the end it gets funnier and funnier, and maybe it's because we're more comfortable with the characters, and also maybe these people are too well-known after, as you said, 200 years of being in film and TV. Maybe they're too well-known for us to place them in the characters in which they were placed.
3: I think why it becomes better is that they – no longer have to show us how Grace and Frankie became roommates. They've already become roommates. They've reached rapprochement. Yeah, but did you buy that? Did you buy them- that that yes. would happen?
0: I didn't buy it at all
3: the beach house, this Malibu beach house that Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda share, it was like Nancy Meyers' real estate porn. Because you know how her sets are always so important to her. Oh, my God, they're amazing, yeah. It could have been the house and something's got to give. But the first couple episodes, because Jane Fonda is supposed to be so brittle and because Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda are supposed to be so opposite um, and because I felt no romantic connection between Sol and Robert, It was hard to watch Plus, Uh when the Uh kids were introduced in the first episode, I had already lost my moorings because (laughs) when the two sons come in, so it's Lily Tomlin and Sam Watterson's adult sons, both of whom were adopted, I thought they were a gay couple. I was totally confused that they were their children because they arrived together. The one... Daughter of Jane Fonda, the one that takes over the business, not the other one. She grew on me, but otherwise, like you said, I could have done without the four yeah, kids.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just... Well, it's funny. In some other podcasts we had where you said, you know, um, I could have done without the children, but you feel that way about children Usually and Usually I can,
3: except I in the show I'll Fly Away, starring Sam Waterson. That is the only show his youngest son I thought was an adorable kid. I
0: First of all, I did not feel that their reactions were okay. Like... None of them, you know, we do have a flashback at the end where one of them knew earlier because he saw them kiss one night, but it just, uh, you know, I just didn't feel like it was a natural um, evolution of what it would have been like. Well, again, I don't know if these writers were writing about topics they're totally familiar with, and I do think it matters. I think you have to write about what you know. And by the way, since a lot of people have come out of the closet after many, many years of marriage... And people, you know, have said, you know, it's better to be left for another guy than a, than another woman. You know, I mean, you know, the anger is not quite the same because you don't feel like there's any responsibility on your part.
3: And yet they could have brought it up sooner. They didn't have to wait 20 yeah. years to let well, their lives you know, know. And
0: by the way, and where's the anger at that in that, you know, these women could have had totally other lives with people who could have actually loved them. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I didn't see the anger for the kids to the to the guys at all. I didn't understand, you know, sort of like, well, why did you do that? Why didn't you leave her so she could have found somebody else,
2: you know? It's the first day of school. I talk to myself as I walk. This year, I got to buckle down. The second grade is serious business. (laughs) I'm not wearing pigtails. My hair has been pin curled frizzy on the ends, parted on the side, and held in place by a red plastic two lovebirds on a stick barrette.
3: (laughs) You know that I used to teach English over in Europe, and one of the tapes that I used, which my students found very, very funny, um, were the monologues of Lily Tomlin.
2: I should feel a lot better than I do, and I did until last May when Miss Fortin called on me to read aloud. I like school, and when I'm asked to read aloud, I read aloud. Full out, a performance almost. Lily Tomlin, you read for us. Everything is going well. The class is caught up in the story, I've got them. Very loudly I say, Jack is worried, he cannot find the boat. There is water all around the island. (laughs) How was I supposed to know? You think you're okay, and then something like Island comes along. That was last May. For the rest of the term, when I was asked to read aloud, I would just mumble into my book. And now I have spent the entire summer hoping and praying that I will not be Lily Island Tomlin for the rest of my life. But deep in my heart, I know it's impossible for 30 kids to have moved and changed schools over the summer.
0: I liked her in 9 to 5. I loved her on the West Wing. I didn't I, didn't, I was not enamored by her early work, you know, but I will say this, and we have to give her this, Lily Tomlin uh, has come out of the closet, so I'm sure that this show for her is also liberating, you know, that even though she's not playing the one who came out of the closet, I'm sure she's glad everybody's out of the closet. She's, you know, she's been with the same person for more than 40 years. Who um, has
3: written a lot of Lily Tomlin? I know.
0: Work. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think Lily Tomlin has great personal depth, and I think you can see it in interacting i do
3: i've got to ask my trivia question okay apparently in the history of the oscars there are only two father daughter couples um where the daughter won her oscar before the father did okay jane fonda and her father henry fonda
0: oh oh i know um Angelina Jolie?
3: Well, um, Angelina Jolie's father had already won an Oscar for Midnight Cowboy. So okay. it's got to be where the daughter won it before the father. Oh,
0: my God. You're making this so complex. My, my mind is spinning. I need a clue. Give me a clue.
3: Okay. Think about our podcasts. The answer is in one of them.
0: Oh, my God.
3: Here's your clue. Think about your favorite movie of all time. Pollyanna? Pollyanna? yes Haley Mills won her Oscar before her father John Mills won his okay I have one last trivia question for you okay go for it Martin Sheen and Sam Waterston were both in movies by Francis Ford Coppola can you name them?
0: Apocalypse Now?
3: yes Martin Sheen was in Apocalypse Now oh
0: my god I can't take the pressure (laughs) Uh,
3: okay and Sam Waterston played the character Nick Carraway
0: Oh my God, Nick Carraway. Francis Ford <laughs> Coppola wrote the original Gatsby movie that was done with, um, with Redford and Mia Farrow.
3: And Sam Waterston.
0: He has such a nice face. Why couldn't I have married Sam Waterston? Our final kudos go to Netflix. What great programming you're coming up with.
3: Okay, we're signing off, but I thought it would be fun to end with Jane Fonda in her own words giving her TED Talk on life's third act.
1: There have been many revolutions over the last century, but perhaps none as significant as the longevity revolution. We are living on average today 34 years longer than our great-grandparents did. Think about that. That's an entire second adult lifetime that's been added to our lifespan. And yet, for the most part, our culture has not come to terms with what this means. We're still living with the old paradigm of age as an arch. That's the metaphor, the old metaphor. You're born, you peak at midlife, and decline into decrepitude. age as pathology, but many people today, philosophers, artists, doctors, scientists, are taking a new look at what I call the third act, the last three decades of life. They realize that this is actually a developmental stage of life with its own significance, as different from midlife as adolescence is from childhood. And they are asking, we we should all be asking How do we use this time? How do we live it successfully? What is the appropriate new metaphor for aging? I've spent the last year researching and writing about this subject, and I have come to find that a more appropriate metaphor for aging is a staircase, the upward ascension of the human spirit, bringing us into wisdom, wholeness, and authenticity, age not at all as pathology, age as potential, and guess what? This potential is not for the lucky few. It turns out most people over 50 feel better, are less stressed, less hostile, less anxious. We tend to see commonalities more than differences. Some of the studies even say we're happier. (laughs) This is not what I expected, trust me. I come from a long line of depressives. (laughs) As I was approaching my late 40s, when I would wake up in the morning, my first six thoughts would all be negative. And I got scared. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm gonna become a crotchety old lady. But now that I am actually smack dab in the middle of my own third act, I realize I've never been happier. I have such a powerful feeling of well-being. And I've discovered that when you're inside oldness as opposed to looking at it from the outside, fear subsides. You realize you're still yourself, maybe even more so. You know, Picasso once said, it takes a long time to become young. (laughs) I don't want to romanticize aging. Obviously, there's no guarantee that it can be a time of fruition and growth. Uh, Some of it is a matter of luck. Some of it, obviously, is genetic. One third of it, in fact, is genetic, and there isn't much we can do about that, but that means that two thirds of how well we do in the third act, we can do something about. We're going to discuss what we can do to make these added years really successful, and use them to make a difference. Now, let me say something about the staircase, which may seem like an odd metaphor for seniors given the fact that many seniors are challenged by stairs, (laughs) myself included. Um, As you may know, the entire world operates on a universal law, entropy, the second law of thermodynamics. Entropy means that everything in the world, everything is in a state of decline and decay, the arch. There's only one exception to this universal law and that is the human spirit, which can continue to evolve upwards, the staircase, bringing us into wholeness, authenticity, and wisdom. And here's an example of what I mean. This, this upward ascension can happen even in the face of extreme physical challenges. About three years ago, I read an article in the New York Times. Um, it was about a man named Neil Selinger, 57 years old, a retired lawyer, who had joined the writers' group at Sarah Lawrence, where he found his writer's voice. Two years later, he was diagnosed with ALS, commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a terrible disease. It's fatal. It wastes the body, but the mind remains intact. In this article, Mr. Selinger wrote the following to describe what was happening to him. And I quote, as my muscles weakened, My writing became stronger. As I slowly lost my speech, I gained my voice. As I diminished, I grew. As I lost so much, I finally started to find myself. Neil Selinger, to me, is the embodiment of mounting the staircase in his third act. Now, we're all born with spirit, all of us. But sometimes it gets tamped down beneath the challenges of life, violence, abuse, neglect. Perhaps our parents suffered from depression. Perhaps they weren't able to love us beyond how we performed in the world. Um, Perhaps we still suffer from a, a psychic pain, a wound. Perhaps we feel that many of our relationships have not had closure. And so we can feel unfinished. Perhaps the task of the third act is to finish up the task of finishing ourselves. For me, it began as I was approaching my third act, my 60th birthday. How was I supposed to live it? What was I supposed to accomplish in this final act? And I realized that in order to know where I was going, I had to know where I'd been. And so I went back and I studied my first two acts trying to see who I was then, who I really was, not who my parents or other people told me I was or treated me like I was, but who was I? Who were my parents? Not as parents, but as people. Who were my grandparents? How did they treat my parents? These kinds of things. I discovered a couple of years later that this process that I had gone through is called by psychologists doing a life review, and they say it can give new significance and clarity and meaning to a person's life. You may discover, as I did, that a lot of things that you used to think were your fault, a lot of things that you used to think about yourself really had nothing to do with you. It wasn't your fault. You're just fine. And you're able to go back and forgive them and forgive yourself. You're able to free yourself from your past. You can work to change your relationship to your past. Now, while I was writing about this, I came upon a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a German psychiatrist who'd spent five years in a Nazi concentration camp. And he wrote that while he was in the camp, he could tell should they ever be released Which of the people would be okay, and which would not? And he wrote this. Everything you have in life can be taken from you except one thing, your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. This is what determines the quality of the life we've lived. Not whether we've been rich or poor, famous or unknown, healthy or suffering, What determines our quality of life is how we relate to these realities, what kind of meaning we assign them, what kind of attitude we cling to about them, what state of mind we allow them to trigger. Perhaps the central purpose of the third act is to go back and to try, if appropriate, to change our relationship to the past. It turns out that cognitive research shows When we are able to do this, it manifests neurologically. Neural pathways are created in the brain. You see, if you have, over time, reacted negatively to past events in people, neural pathways are are laid down by chemical and electrical signals that are sent through the brain. And over time, these neural pathways become hardwired. They become the norm, even if it's bad for us because it causes us stress and anxiety. If, however, we can go back and alter our relationship, revision our relationship to past people and events, neural pathways can change. And if we can maintain the more positive uh, feelings about the past, that becomes the new norm. It, it's like resetting a thermostat. You know, it's it's not having experiences that make us wise. It's reflecting on the experiences that we've had that makes us wise and that helps us become whole, brings wisdom and authenticity. It helps us become what we might have been. Women start off whole, don't we? I mean, as girls, we're feisty, Yahoo says. (laughs) We have agency. We are the subjects of our own lives. But very often, many if not most of us, when we hit puberty, we start worrying about fitting in and being popular. And we we become the subjects and objects of other people's lives. But now, in our third acts, it may be possible for us to circle back to where we started and know it for the first time. And if we can do that, it will not just be for ourselves. Older women are the largest demographic in the world. If we can go back and redefine ourselves and become whole, this will create a cultural shift in the world. And it will give an example to younger generations so that they can reconceive their own lifespan. Thank you very much. Thank you.